0: Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 15th of December, 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 to 56 and brings us a message entitled, Mary's Song. Could I I invite you to open your Bible this morning uh, in Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, please. And we're going to read in chapter 1, please. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Let's commence at verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, To a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. His word, Father, with our Bibles open, we pray now for the help of God, the Holy Spirit. And although these stories are familiar, we pray that the Holy Spirit will breathe fresh meaning and new insights. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. You will not disagree with me when I say that many songs have been written, and many songs have been sung, and many songs have been played about Christmas. Whether it's a winter wonderland, whether it's sleigh bells ringing, whether it's a white Christmas, whether it's encouraging one and all to have yourself a merry little Christmas, or whether it's Mary's boy child. I was amazed when I was trying to have a quiet cup of coffee in Marks and Spencer's about the 3rd of November, and I thought I was hearing things when I heard a Christmas song being played. And I said to the waitress, Is it my imagination, or is it really happening? Are you playing a Christmas song on the 3rd of November? And she said, yes, there's nothing like being early for Christmas. And no matter where you go today, that's what you're hearing, Christmas songs. Some inspired by human emotions, sentimentality, some the expressions of man's weird and wonderful imaginations. But this morning, I want us to consider a song that was inspired, and a song that is inspiring a song that bears eloquent testimony to a woman's faith, to a woman's courage, and to a woman's submission. And of course, her name is Mary, and her song is recorded in the passage of Scripture that we have just read. There are three inspired songs recorded for us here. There is the song of Mary, there is the song of Zechariah, and there is the song of Simeon. But I want us to focus this morning on Mary's song, better known as the Magnificat. The word itself comes from the first word of the Latin text, meaning my soul magnifies, the Magnificat. It's a song of praise. It's a song of praise revealing Mary's response following her visit to her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with the future John the Baptist. And as we read this morning, the child moves within Elizabeth's womb when she hears Mary's greeting. And she blesses Mary for her faith in God to fulfill the promise that he gave to regard the child that she was carrying in the womb. And Mary's response is one of praise. Mary responds by praising God in the singing of this amazing song that we're looking at this morning. And one cannot help but be moved by the context of this praise. And one can be left in no doubt as to the identity of the one whom she's praising. I sometimes feel aggrieved when I am confronted with songs that are supposed to be Christian songs and sung within the context of Christian worship. And I find it very hard to identify any theology within the song that is anywhere near Christian. It could be sung in a secular and in a worldly context and would be very acceptable. But that is not so with this song this morning. The praise that Mary offers leaves us in no doubt as to the identity of the one whom she praises. It's God and God alone. And as you read the context of this song, you know the background to it. It's a combination of that which is natural and that which is supernatural. A pregnancy that was ordinary, but a conception that was extraordinary. A conception that took place in the womb of the Virgin through the mighty work of God, the Holy Spirit. Mary had never experienced anything like it before, nor would any other woman experience anything like it since that. And verse 29 tells us that Mary was troubled. Indeed, the emphasis is that she was greatly troubled. And then she's given an explanation with regard to the conception of this child. And an angel speaks to her in verse 30 and says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, And Mary asked a very natural question, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel speaks in verse uh, 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In verse thirty nine we see her uh, uh verse twenty nine we see her her natural reaction. She was troubled. The natural reaction of any young woman in Mary's condition. And she does a very girly thing. And she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. Someone has said they had a girly night in. And you don't have to use your imagination too much to gather what the conversation was about that evening and as we reflect on the background this song becomes even more meaningful and Mary breaks <laughs> forth into song and to summarize it she really sings tell out my soul the greatness of our God my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I said that the song is all about God. And there are three things that Mary draws our attention to as she sings to us about God. She reminds us that God has been mindful. God has been mindful. She speaks of herself in verse 48. He has looked on the humble estate of his Servant, He has been mindful of my humble estate. He has taken notice of his lowly servant. You know, God could have found a noble member of the royal household to fulfill his plan and to fulfill his purpose. But he looks favorably toward a lowly servant, virgin girl. An unknown. The word mindful is a very interesting word. It means to take care of. It means to keep a remembrance of. In other words, Mary said, He thought about me. I am in His remembrance. I am in His mind. But this was not just. Individual praise. This was corporate praise. We see that in in verses 54 through to 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary's significance in God's scheme of things is linked to his sovereign purposes. The Bible tells us this morning that we are not here by chance. We are not here by accident. We are here today by divine arrangement. The Lord Jesus defines his people, and the people of God, in a variety of ways. We are the sheep of his pasture. But the psalmist says we are the apple of his eyes. Because we are part of his supreme and sovereign will. Do you remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? He said, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham listens to this. And you can sense the response of his soul. How would God achieve this? With an aged man, Abraham, and a barren woman, Sarah, who was past the years of childbirth. God would accomplish this because he would fulfill his purpose. And God's purposes begin to unfold. And as we look to the prophets and listen to the judges when they speak, they tell us that there will come a day when a child will be born. And when we think of a child that will be born, we think of Christ and His humanity. But they tell us not only would a child be born, but a son would be given. And if we think of his humanity in the child that will be born, we think of his deity in the Son that would be given. You see, Jesus, the Son, revealed at Bethlehem is the eternal Son who was with the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. The second person of the Trinity did not begin to exist at Bethlehem. He was with the Father and with the Spirit throughout all eternity. And Mary is singing, and here is the theme of her song, God was mindful of me. You know, as I think of that, I think of the words of the psalmist and psalmist. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? And when we sing about the greatness of God, when we sing how great is our God, we need to remember that the greatness of God is not to be seen in his isolation from us, but in his intimacy with us. That this great God became intimate with humanity. And in the person of Jesus Christ. God has landed on this enemy occupied land and he has looked on his lowly servant because he is mindful of her. The prophet Zephaniah writes this prophetical word, the Lord God will be mindful. Look at Mary's response. She doesn't go after some cheap publicity, or think more highly of herself than others. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord. She doesn't exalt herself, but she exalts the God who has been mindful of her. That's the first theme of her song. God is mindful. And then the second stanza is this. God is not only mindful, but God is. Is mighty. God is mighty, verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. God has stepped in, God has intervened, God has made bare his mighty arm. It's metaphoric language, it's picturesque language. It's the same language that is used in the book of Exodus when God describes the Exodus of his people from Egypt. And he speaks of bringing them out with a strong arm. And Mary is reflecting. And she's reflecting on who God is. She's reflecting on what God has done. She is mindful of his power and she recognizes that he is mighty in his deeds. He is a mighty warrior. He reminds us that he is the one who takes what men lay in store and he considers it to be worthless and he demolishes it. He reminds us that his arm is strong and in comparison to him, men are like grasshoppers, weaklings with no strength at all. He has brought down rulers. And the Old Testament illustrates this again and again and emphasizes this great immutable truth that there is only one kingdom and that there is only one king and this king and his kingdom will last forever. He tells Mary that he sends the rich away empty. Unless we discover what true riches are, we will never be able to handle the wealth of this world. I quoted it this morning. It's often in my heart and in my mind. And it's written in the context of material wealth. In 2 Corinthians 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. There are many people this morning trusting in their own riches. They are trusting in the accumulation of earthly wealth. Mary tells us that he scatters those who trust in earth riches to deliver them from their proud schemes and their self-assertiveness. was not that the experience of Saul of Tarsus? Proud, arrogant, self-assertive, proud in his religion. Pride in his intellect, in his power. He had the clout to deal with these Christians and this Jesus. But he finished up groveling in the dust and bowing to the sovereign Lord. But he writes in Philippians 3 and he says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of Christ. This song reminds us that God in his might scatters the proud. That he subdues the mighty. That he sends the rich away empty. Mary sings. And she sings about God being mindful. We're here this morning because God has been mindful of us. She sings about God being mighty. Mighty. How big is your God this morning? How great is your God this morning? And then her third stanza is simply this, that God is not only mindful and God is not only mighty, but God is merciful. He has brought down, verse 52, the mighty from their throne and exalted those of humble estate. Verse 50, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He lifts the humble and He fills the hungry. There are two things that are needed for salvation this morning. Two things that are required. One, humility. And secondly, hunger. You ever thought about that this morning? You ever thought... Do you ever think why people don't desire God? that don't follow the Lord Jesus. Well this is why many are unsaved. There is the absence of humility. There is the, abs- the absence of hunger. People listen but they do not hear. And because they do not hear they do not obey. And they respond by saying that's very interesting. They speak about the preacher. and They come in. He gets excited about what he believes, doesn't he? But they do not bend the knee. And they refuse to bow their hearts to the authority of Holy Scripture. And this is illustrated again and again in the Word of God. Remember Naaman? Elisha sends his servant with the message to go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And his flesh will be restored and he shall be clean. But Naaman, we're told, was angry. And he went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. A lot of Naaman's about this morning, aren't there? No humility. But Naaman had to learn that the way up is the way down. So we're told that he went down himself seven times in the Jordan according to the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. He comes to lift the humble. He comes to fill the hungry. God is merciful. And he extols his mercy to all who fear him and trust in him. That's what it means to fear him this morning. Doesn't the scripture teach us that it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed? That we sometimes sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And with my mouth I will make known. What a song. It begins with God, and it ends with God. And wherever you break into this song, it's all about God. I think it was Franz Habner who said, It's very sad that we have reached a generation that among God's people, God and God alone is no longer an attraction. We believe in a God, in a God of miracles. And when Mary possibly only 18 years old, was startled by the appearance of the angel Gabriel. and the announcement of God's plan for her life, it not only seemed improbable, it was humanly impossible. And that is why she frankly asked Gabriel, how can these things be? And Gabriel was quick to answer with reassurance that things that are impossible with man are possible with God. This reassurance for Mary echoes the words of Jeremiah, there is nothing, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. We will learn many things about the manger, but we will learn that things which are impossible to men are possible to God. For there is nothing too hard for the Lord. And the visit of the angel was followed by the testimony of Mary's song, a song about salvation, a song about submission a song of salutation. And through Mary's submission, God used her as the human instrument to bring Christ to the world. What a lovely verse we read, Behold, I love it, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Here was a young girl and something entered into her world that she had never experienced before. And she would never be the same again. But how thankful she was that God, in his mercy, had come to her. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, Mary surrendered her body that day for the Lord's use. She gave her body to bring Christ to the world and the gospel to every creature. And Mary surrendered her mind to the Lord's mystery. She was not asked to understand all the mysteries of God's providence, but she rested in God's faithfulness. She rested in God's knowledge. She rested in God's wisdom. She not only surrendered her body and not only surrendered her mind, but she surrendered her will for God's purposes. Her response to God was full of enthusiastic surrender to God's will. She was prepared to be part of God's plan in God's time. Don't we sometimes sing? And Maybe we need to confess this morning we don't always mean what we sing. Here I am, wholly available. As for me, I will serve the Lord. I think if Mary was to summarize her song, in the light of God being mindful of her, in the light of God being mighty toward her, in the light of God being merciful toward her, I think she might have sung, Here I am, wholly available. As for me, I will, I will, I will serve the Lord. He may not ask you, To do what he asks others to do. But whatever he asks you to do. Could I encourage you to do it with all your might. May God bless his word to all our hearts.